0: Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now on with the show with your moderator Jonathan Denwood.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. This is episode five hundred and eleven. The weeks are just disappearing; they are disappearing into a blur. Um, we record this every Friday at eight. 30 a.m pacific standard time and we push this live to the wp tonic facebook page so if you want to watch it live and you're an early bird um please do that and give us some comments some feedback i've got a great panel got some of the old timers with me the old guard as napoleon would say uh we've got some great stories i'm going to let the panel introduce themselves and then we should get on with this. John, John Locke, my friend John, would yep. you like to quickly introduce yourself?
2: Um, yeah, John from uh,
1: Lockdown SEO. That's great. I've got Uncle Spencer with me. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Spencer Foreman from com.
1: And I've got my friend Sally, who's been a bit ill recently, but looks very relaxed and well now. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself, Sally?
4: Sure. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, and
1: currently on Zoom. I've got my friend Chris, who has to put up with my constant teasing on his own Zooms. Uh, Chris... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you like to introduce yourself?
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm Chris from Lifter LMS. We help course creators create, launch, and scale. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast.
1: You, you, you sampled some real English sarcasm yesterday, you did. Uh, um, <laughs> Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself?
6: Yeah, Stephen Satter from Zipfish.io. We make WordPress really, really fast.
1: Really, really
6: fast. Two reallys.
1: Like a rocket. Right. Uh, um, before we go into the main stories, I just want to talk about a couple of our great sponsors that I really appreciate their support. Um, Pays for the costs of doing these podcasts, which really helps. That's Kinsta. kinsta has been the main sponsor of the show for the past couple of years. Um, I host the WP Tonic website on them. They're a great hosting provider. Uh, What do you get for yourself and for your clients? Well, you get a fantastic speed. You get a fantastic UX design that's really easy to use for yourself and your clients. And the main thing is you get some of the best support on the market. And I really honestly mean that. When you go to other, which will not be named, other hosting companies, and you're just passed around, and they can't ask, ask your questions, and you're put on hold, and time seems to be dying in front of you. You don't get all that crap with Kinster. You get somebody that normally can answer your question or deal with the situation there and then, and it makes a big difference. So go over to Kinster, have a look at their packages for yourself or your clients, and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. Our other sponsor and a real friend of the show is WP Fusion. It's a really amazing product. If you need, if you're looking for modern automation of your marketing, and it's the big buzzword um, this year, is that you really need WP Fusion with WordPress, with either native CRM like Groundhog. Or a SaaS-based one like Active Campaign, it will enable your WordPress website or your learning management system like Chris's Lifter LMS to really communicate with your marketing automation. And it can, with a learning management system, it can do much, much more. So go over to WP Fusion, have a look at their packages for yourself or your clients buy one of them, and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So into story one. Um, after 11 years, users will be able to update themes and plugins for the zip file. Well, um, Uncle Spencer introduced me to a, um, a plugin that did it, but it's now going to be native. They caught it up, Spencer. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, that easy theme and plug updates,
3: has been something that's been part of our repertoire for a while. It's a great plugin, but it's so funny because if you think about it, the only way to easily update stuff would have been to disable a plugin, delete it, re-upload it from wherever, unless it was in the repository, which we all know is like a a fool's errand today. Anyway, so the questions I would always get from people would be, is all my stuff gonna be deleted? And, And so this plugin magically just eliminated all the problems. It's just super amazing. It also works with wherever your repository is. So for us, we would keep a private repository of all the little, you know, four to six plugins people would use when they're our clients. And using either Manual or managed WP, you could just use that little repository to update all of your clients in one fell swoop. So this is the the smartest thing that I've seen WordPress do of all their updates recently. If they can only apply this logic to Putting some space between the Gutenberg blocks, we would maybe be a little closer to nirvana. Yes, Sally, I saw that eyebrow raise there. Just a little CSS would be the same logic as this. Okay.
1: Just a little bit of magic. Just, just the sprinkling the magic. That's what we're
3: throwing a little jab because I was working with a client yesterday who uses Gutenberg, and after the eighty millionth time of looking at Gutenberg, I still could not find my own plugins meta box in that solid wall of white on the right hand side. I was just like, so
6: couldn't, couldn't risk throwing in one more.
1: What do you reckon, Steven? I don't know. I feel like
6: it's a it's a del- a day late and a dollar short. Like automatic updates have been around for a long time. There's all sorts of people rolling out solutions. If you don't want your plugin hosted in the WordPress repository and you don't want to manage your own servers, um, you can I like Kern.us is a great tool for doing that. There's quite a few others out there. And so I can't remember the last time that I installed a plugin or was dealing with a website that had plugins installed that didn't have an auto update feature on the plugins. Like it's just becoming more and more rare to have that kind of plugin. Um, so I don't know, for me, it doesn't, it feels like if it was around quite a few years ago, like that would have been amazing,
1: but it's a little bit, a little bit late. It's a bit late, bit late to the party. What do you reckon, Chris?
5: I actually had a friendly debate with my co-founder about it. He said it wasn't...
1: He, well, he's not supposed to talk to you like that. He's supposed to code. He ain't got time to debate things with you.
5: He pushed back and said it wasn't necessary. Um, so uh, basically the idea being there's so much you could do with WordPress that this just isn't, is not a feature that doesn't really matter. But I do empathize with what Spencer said when the user is like, has the fear that they're going to lose stuff to, if they're going to manually update a plugin by deleting it first. So I, I see both sides of the argument. But is it a priority? My co-founder would argue no. That's why it took so long. Yeah.
1: We reconciled. Well,
4: yeah, clearly uh, it was never a big priority for anyone or it wouldn't have taken 11 years after, you know, uh, after the ticket was submitted. Uh you know, I also have the experience of very rarely needing to manually update things unless it's a um you know, something where I don't have the license to automatically update it on my dev site in addition to on the uh, on the live site. But, you know, most of the premium plugins I use have a, a feature by which you can update them automatically. I mean, even, you know, what's their lips, uh, CodeCanyon, uh, you know, has that thing you can, can uh, install to automatically update plugins you get from there uh so you know oddly, I think what this is going to make it easiest to do um is for people to you know pass around copies of things that they don't have licenses for and and, and add and update
1: them <laughs> well, yeah, but also there are some that will be unnamed I deal regularly, and they they I just don't seem to have sorted out their automatic um uploading. Right. I mean it's like
4: it's a nice feature. I think it is, you know, much less like back in the day when the only way to update a plugin was to replace the the all plugin file yourself. You know, this people would have been jumping up and down and cheering. Um but uh, you know people are mostly used to things that you can update by um, by clicking them. All right, what do
1: you reckon John?
2: Yeah, long overdue. I think the 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 main spot. I where I would what, see I, so,
1: interrupt. I wonder if the person that put the ticket in is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Died of a old one. age, waiting for my track ticket. I are you it in two days before I'm going to die of the virus. Sorry.
2: <laughs> where, where, where I see it being useful, I don't know if anybody here is. And I don't. And this is not common for me, but if you're dealing with Envato plugins or themes, and again, this is not common for me, but if if you uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll get client sites where somebody else has built that uh, before, and something it needs to be updated, but they don't have a license, <laughs> and uh, you know, buying a license. Since of for the the theme or, or plugin uh is usually what I have to resort to, but uh the way that Envato's update system works you have to uh create like an Envato account and then get some code at, and then put it here and then you know sync everything up with the API uh to enable updates so this is a lot easier because you can just download it out of your you know account and then you can just update it like that, so
1: whop it in, wop it in All right and on to story two sit C- uh, oh come on, Jonathan serious XM. serious serious xm to buy stitcher podcasting unit from S- was it S- scripts? scripts scripts
4: yes, oh, I God, think God. scripts is like an advertising platform or something they bought uh stitcher a, a while back.
1: Well, you seem to know about this story. So what did you think? Oh, uh,
4: well, uh, right. It's uh, uh you know, I I saw this in the like podcast news uh email that that, that I get uh, and it's like, "Oh, well, that, that's kind of interesting. There there've been a number of um acquisitions uh in the podcast arena uh and mergers and, you know, new launches and it's like every I don't know, X number of years, everyone sort of jumps on the podcasting bandwagon with visions of money in their eyes that mostly don't come true. Um, hey, but uh, Stitcher is a streaming service for for podcasts. They've been around quite a while. They've started to, um, I guess, have some of their own content, like the uh, um, Freakonomics radio show used to be like a WNYC in New York production, and now it's a Stitcher media production. Um, and it's kind of interesting, this sort of combination of, of uh, uh, you know, Sirius XM, satellite radio, something I never paid any attention to. Uh, and which is, you know, I don't know, like who's driving these days. Uh, but I suppose you can get satellite radio in your in your home also. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, do they see that this is, uh, something that fits in with them, and you know, for some people, uh, the radio universe and the podcasting universe are very separate. And for other people, well, the podcasting universe has a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of media. You know, a lot a a lot of uh, radio productions. Stitcher already has a premium uh, platform where you can subscribe and get you know extra content or or not have the ads or whatever. I don't know. I haven't paid for it. Um, so it's like we'll see, right?
1: Um, yeah, I'm just waiting for to email me with the offer the same deal as they offered Rogan, Really, uh, I must be a uh, happy dreamy. Would you
3: be zeros on the end, maybe four?
1: Well, they can cut about seven of them off. I reckon I'll still be a happy actually. <laughs> what do you reckon, Spencer?
3: Well, the problem I have with this entire story is the fact that the Wall Street Journal requires me to subscribe in order to read it. So uh, there was
4: a there was it was covered in something else. Uh, I, I think maybe they just wrote a pretty long, pretty long article about it on the. Um, um,
1: <clears throat> I, want, I
3: want to ask the group because I think one of you guys had offered this, and please remind me. I may have <clears throat> there was a service. It might've been sponsored by something through Apple. I'm not sure where you can pay one amount per month, but get access to all this kind of stuff. like well, Right. That was,
4: that was me. It's called scroll. And I was, I was somewhat just, dis- although I, I did, con- I do continue to use it somewhat disappointed to learn that what it does is you don't see ads on the participating places, but it doesn't also cover the subscription. I was I was sad to see this. I thought I was getting like the most awesome like- deal. Now, not seeing the ads is for what they're charging, which is like $250 a month. Not seeing the ads all over the place screwing up my reading experience is is still a good thing, but it would be so nice to have a, you know, bundled subscription to news media
3: well because what we're running into and I, I this is totally off kilter but like with this kind of stuff i use my iphone with that apple news sometimes and i go on the web and i can't tell you how frustrating it is to me if there was a chrome extension that took a micro payment or something like every time I take a dime or a penny to read the story automatically and it just builds from a common thread i'd be fine with that it's the i don't want to subscribe to you know, the, the new Brunswick news to read one story or even the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. I just want to read the story, but they want to get their nickel or their dime out of me by charging me for a whole month. And that is a pain that if there's anybody who listens to the show who can solve it or tell us what it is, please, because that would be actually worth paying for.
6: Like a pay-per-view model where you pay for the one thing that you want and then you move on with your day. Like- From a
3: common billing source. So like I sign up for one service, and every one of those companies, it gives them a nickel when I read the story, but I only have to just, it, it just yeah. bills like as I use it. That would be amazing. Because I can't tell you, <laughs> what I do with most of these stories is I take the title, I put it into Google, and I read the same story from somebody else republishing it. And it's like, really? Is that worth the time? <laughs> like, uh, so
4: it yeah. Goes. It's, I mean, you know, media outlets have not figured out mm. a viable uh, business model. You well, know, apparently the, the, the advertising money, the, the, the right, the, 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 the <laughs> the advertising <laughs> money, advertising money all went away with Craigslist, uh, and you know they've been flailing around since to to uh, <clears throat> try to get enough funding. Uh, you know, I have a friend who, who writes for the San Francisco Chronicle, and and I remember some years ago her saying, "Yeah, they're losing a million dollars a week." You know, every time you go, and it's like, "Who got the pink slip today?" Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a mess, but the the thing is that almost everything they're doing in order to try to make money just makes it impossible to read their <laughs> stuff. It, it, and, it's impossible so-
3: and it alienates you because to be fair about it, there's so many people talking about the same topics that if you just say, you've got to pay me to talk to me about it. It's like, I don't know, I won't bother. I'll talk to somebody else about it or hear the story from someone else. And there's so you know, the, if you look at the video industry, I knew my
1: date say that to me.
3: Oh, go. Like Netflix or Amazon—the way they figured it out finally was they aggregated the sources of the media from the makers into one place. Now, will the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal ever want to live in the same space where you can have a subscription to third-party X to pay for it? I don't know, but it would make a lot more sense than what they're doing now. For sure. Well,
4: and and if it is, you know, only the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, well, you know, you, you might live with that. But, you know, all these sort of slightly obscure places where things occasionally come up and you want to see like one story and you never go back there again. You don't want to pay for a
1: subscription to. I'm just waiting for the evil genius of Amazon. He's probably going to buy them all up. And, you get, and then, you get, Well, you know, he already started with the Washington Post. Yeah, um, he's with his white cat and his... What do you reckon, Chris?
5: You just—I mean, I'm just glad to see independent media, i.e., podcasts, growing and serious buying it. I'm I'm kind of always behind the times when it comes to like uh, vehicles and stuff like that. So I actually don't know if if uh, podcasts are in the vehicle consoles yet. Maybe a a lot of
4: the new ones, yeah.
5: So that's cool. And I love seeing just making it super easy for people to listen to podcasts while commuting without necessarily getting in their phone, which is more dangerous, I think is um, I'm just happy to see the industry growing and and it's still early days for podcasting. Like you can still get in the game. Sure. It's better if you got in five years ago, but um, it's just going to continue to grow. So I'm excited about the industry.
1: I think it's good news in general On to story three Goodbye Manage WP Org, hello WP Content
4: did, did this catch anybody else off guard? Because I, I was like, wait, I know I've been out of it Lately, but like WTF uh.
1: Well, I just Had a message and um, and um, Yeah, I was Kind of surprised, I don't know why I was surprised Because, you know, why would GoDaddy, you know, want to continue It
4: Well, I don't think GoDaddy was was specifically supporting it. And, and, you know, maybe they might have because they've, you know, they've got a zillion zillion initiatives. But that was being done basically on the personal time of the person who started Managed WP. And um, it it did, you know, involve lots of moderation and effort. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, I mean, i had been using that
1: site for a long time. Tell me, Sally, Uh, um, what do you reckon about this, John? It's sad, but uh, this is usually what
2: happens when larger companies acquire smaller companies. And I think GoDaddy just wanted uh, the you know plugin updating part of Managed WP. They didn't really want the community part. But to be fair, um, there is a lot of good stories being shared there. But but there is two problems that that a lot of people brought up time and time again. And that is that um, a lot of the stories were from the same five or six places. Yeah. It got shared pretty much like all the time. And uh, the stories from anywhere else really didn't get shared. And then the other thing that was getting way out of hand was comment spam. Because you would share these stories and then people would come. Come in and and share like a, that. Would that was really
4: bad. Right although it seemed go. like it had been, it seemed like it had been getting maybe a little better. Maybe it was just I hadn't shared as many things, so I wasn't seeing as 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 much of it. But yes, it always gave you a little like prize badge if you shared something from a news source.
2: Yep, I I I mean I used it. I mean I would browse it and and see stuff. But yeah, those were the two problems I think. But but GoDaddy the killing it off. I mean. The bigger company, that's the culture that was gets absorbed, and anything else just gets leveled out. I mean, Media Temple's another, you know, good example, and everything else. So that's my thoughts.
1: That's a good point. What do you reckon, Steve? I was,
6: I was surprised they killed it. I think it seemed like just even from like a marketing standpoint, GoDaddy could have leveraged it, and. I was surprised that they just. You think they, like, hey.
1: done, you think they could have done something with it, but yeah, like it's, it's some. Well, and it, but I mean, now how long ago was it that GoDaddy bought Managed WP? Years. Oh. It's, yeah, this forever. is not
4: like they forever just ago. they just like said nah, we're you know this but is still like, eyeballs are worth
6: money, right? Like a service is one thing, but if you get eyeballs and you have consistent eyeballs, like it's. I was surprised that they couldn't figure out some way to make the money worth it to keep it going. Um, but apparently, like, it'd be interesting to know what their stats were, like if they were declining and if they were losing readership or views, um, then I could, then it would make sense, I guess, a little well, bit. Well, I think
1: it, I'm only surmising this, but I think the problems that John were pointing out were similar. I, I still, I went to the Tavern and I went to them second and I got some other sites. I got all the sites that I look at to try and find some interesting stories for you panellists. Uh, my heart is always with you, panelists, to find these stories.
4: Yes, uh, well, I, it um, will be interesting to see uh, about yeah. this new site and whether you know the comment spam issues and and other things. And what what also interests me is is as somebody mentioned in the in the comments, they're they're using a theme for this theme for this site. <laughs> like, right? Okay, you guys are from Delicious Brains. You you write all these articles about like super technical custom stuff. And, oh, here, let's get something from Theme Forest.
6: I'm, I'm excited to see what Delicious Brains is going to do because I really enjoy all the articles that they come out with. Um, I feel like there's very few people that write on like that technical level that have that deep of insight into things and take the time to document it well. And I think that's like <laughs> a real key thing that Delicious Brains has going for them with a lot of content that they produce. So it'll be interesting to see like kind of the direction that they take things and how they handle it all.
4: Uh, right, well, I mean, it's pretty much like only Kinsta that, that otherwise uh, publishes that type of, you know, in-depth article. Well, they used to, uh, but
1: uh, I think, I think they died, you know, since they've lost Brian, the beloved Brian, that's, that's quietened down a little bit, is not it?
4: Right, so it's like, well, if I mean, if they're basically an aggregator, you know, it depends on what else is getting published to to aggregate, and their own publications are, you know, not that numerous, um, though I do think they are, you know, they're consistently good on, a, on
1: the technical side, as you say. What do you reckon, Spencer? Oh, you muted Spence. I,
3: I didn't know it existed. <laughs> I know Vladimir personally, and I love managed WP and everything about it, still use it. It fortunately didn't get broken when it got bought by GoDaddy. I didn't know this other thing existed. So to be fair, when I look at the stories now on a new one, it looks like just reading the tavern. I mean, how much news is there in WordPress that we don't already know about, I wonder? So it's nice, but I, I you know what I mean? Like we sit here and gab once a week on Friday and we barely touch on a few stories that are irrelevance. And then there's going to be a whole service. I mean, what, is there that much news in WordPress?
1: Well, well, there uh, well, it kind of it was. It wasn't exactly like news. It was articles about WordPress. Like
3: WordPress-related, like tutorials. And, yeah,
1: and, and so you, you know, if you run out of news, I used to kind of. I'm going to plead
3: ignorance on this one, I guess.
4: Which, yeah, that's yes. Well, if you if you know Vladimir, a, a, ask him to come on the show and tell us what happened. Yeah, ask him to come on. What do
3: you he's, reckon, Chris? Yeah, he's, I, I'm not sure. I think he's in America these days, but he was when he formed it. I think oh, I don't want to say wrong, but it, it was, I, I'll get it wrong and I'll be in trouble. Well, I it was a Serbian, Serbian company, but I don't want to say because it might have been oh, an extra well.
1: neighbor. So What do you reckon, Chris?
5: Well, I was just clicking through it, just looking for affiliate links. I think it's good to have um, news in the WordPress ecosystem that's not driven by affiliate revenue. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's bad. Like yeah. I think affiliate marketing and content marketing is great, but to really have the news be the primary concern and not affiliate revenue of a news site is um, super helpful for the WordPress community and and doing what we do well in terms of crowdsourcing. Um, I'm kind of curious how this works. Like, crowdsourced journalism, like, do you, do they basically... Accept an RSS feed or just individual articles one at a time. Can you know?
4: Um, the way managed WP worked was that people would share articles that there. You there, they would have a little thing you could, you know, put in your uh, bookmark toolbar when you wanted to to share an article, and then those would get upvoted by users. Oh, uh,
1: right. Well, that sounds all great stuff. I think we're going to go for a break. I've got some more
0: stories for the second half
1: of our roundtable show. We'll be back in a few
0: moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to WP Tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's WP Tonic, just like the podcast.
1: We're coming back. We've had a bit of a chat. I wanted to, um, got another free webinar coming up. It's on the 4th of August. It's a Tuesday, the 4th of August at 9 a.m. And I managed to persuade Chris to be um, the main presenter. Um, he, must, he must have been drunk at the time, listeners and viewers, but he's agreed and he can't get out of it there. And we're going to be talking about all things Lifter LMS, Lifter 4.0 Groups anything to do with Lifter and learning management systems, and you're going to be able to ask Chris questions at the end and you'll be able to examine his massive knowledge of his own products. Aren't you looking forward to that, Chris, aren't you? I'm excited. I'm yeah. super excited. I'm sure you are. It's Actually, it's going to be a blast, actually. Uh, um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And if you want to register for it, all you have to do is go to the WP Tonic website. In the top menu, there's a button that says free webinar. You click it and you'll be able to register and you'll be able to join us. And like I say, asks us some live questions. So on to story four. As Twitter labels Trump twits, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter. he's a twit. Yeah. <laughs> Some Republicans flock to new social media. Uh, was it you, Spencer, that put this one in, or was it? I think it was Adrian. It was Adrian. It was Adrian. That's I was But party. I have
4: I have heard people talking about this before. I'll, about- I'll start. <laughs>
1: If you want yeah go I you
2: okay, you know what I knew what this was. I knew what the, the the app was even before I like clicked on the article. I knew that it was going to be parlor because it's the new gab um it's basically where all the people who want to say racist stuff and and be like white nationalists that's where they go and just be evil, awful people um, <laughs> free speech free speech so called. Is it's a code word, um, and if you've ever like researched, like look up the Southern Strategy, and and realize like a lot of these things um, have code words behind them that are abstracted from what they really are. So when you hear the words free speech, sometimes that means we we want the ability to spread vile uh, ideologies. And and that's really what that means. So I already knew what this was before I even clicked. So,
1: yeah, I suppose it's a contradiction, isn't it? You know, you know, for a platform, a social media platform to be really powerful, you really need every a wide span of different opinions. Um, Do you? I don't think so.
4: Right. I, I think well, no, ca- to make
1: money, to,
2: you know, well, to make money. Yeah. For, for like yeah, Twitter's a know. good example because they never made money up until 2016, and I'll let you figure out why. (laughs) But uh, to be quite honest, I mean, I think they just banned um, one dude that's like a famous white nationalist, but it only took him like 10 years. But John. But it drives off all the people who are actually, it drives off all the normal
1: people. Yeah, but my, my beloved friend, John, if it wasn't for Twitter, we wouldn't see, we wouldn't have a, A view into the brain of our beloved leader. And what really goes on in his mind at 2am in the morning, would we, John? Not much. You know, you know, which is not much. Uh,
6: (laughs) I think, I think a dangerous thing um, though about this is as you segment people's voices more and more, you start putting people in these echo chambers and then all they have is self-validation. So, I think there is a danger of like Facebook and Twitter pushing people off of their platform into like a siloed group because that's all they're going to hear now. And there's not going to be any sort of exchange. Like one reason why Facebook and Twitter is somewhat a hostile place or not somewhat, it is a hostile place at times is because people are intersecting with populations that they never would normally. And this is the only place that these ideas are being thrown out or being like put in front of their faces. Um, and so as things get siloed, I think there's a danger in that a little bit. But I think also Facebook and Twitter put themselves in really hard places trying to govern morality to a sense. Like when, when a company wants to start having a moral compass that they are trying to dictate onto other people, that's a strange place. Like we don't know how that works. And that's kind of what we're figuring out right now, right? It's like, how can Facebook have an idea or an ethos and apply it to everybody. And you can see the problem because you have the conservative people saying, hey, you're taking all of our stuff down, all of our fake news. And you have the liberal people saying, you're not taking down enough stuff. You need to take down more things. And nobody is super happy with either of those guys right now um, and everybody seems a little pissed off. So I think they're in a tough spot. It'll be interesting to see how it all and, changes
4: yeah, out. But yeah. Yes, but I, I don't think people are pissed off at Facebook because they have a moral compass.
1: <laughs> they have a moral uh, <laughs> the typical American corporation. They, that, that, they, that they lack it. No moral uh, compass
4: and, at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know what we've seen happen as a result of the algorithms that show you like more stuff, like the stuff you were looking at. And, and that's not just Facebook that, you know, we talked uh quite a while back on this show about, uh, you know, a, a fairly long article about this young man who'd been sort of drawn into the world of Alex Jones. And it's like, yeah, you first look at it and you think this stuff is ridiculous, but you look at more of it and more of it and more of it. And it starts to work on your head and you get, sucked in you become more you did. i oh.
1: experimented there i actually watched two weeks of alex jones and oh my god fathers that was a that was uh, right a uh, uh, so i, I, I you could know, feel it affected my brain waves actually
4: uh, right so it's yeah i mean i think it's ridiculous for for the parlor to to um uh, it just Describe itself as unbiased. It's just like more like no, our bias is in the other direction. So if you have these kinds of ideas, you'll be happy here. But this idea of we're going to have a completely unmoderated environment. I mean, like, didn't somebody just do an experiment with that in Seattle? Well, I suppose, and like you know how how well did that work out?
1: Let's let's try some anarchy. Yeah, I, I suppose I have some basic principles that I live by, and I because of my background, I lean a certain direction. But I would hope if the facts, if I'm given a set of facts and they are, these facts point in a different direction than I would normally lean to, I would go with the facts. But unfortunately, as I got older, I realised that most people... They don 't like facts, actually they just want they just want things that support their biases they won't look at imperial data and if the imperial data doesn't fit into their model of how they view the world, if you give me imperial data and it's pointing out something that I would not normally agree with and I check the data over, and i 'm reasonably satisfied that it's um logical and correct data i changed my position other people they just they just don't want to hear the data they just keep on going down the side right? uh, yeah yeah it, that, it is, uh, it, it's uh, a it's
4: a very uh it's a very strange thing i mean you know back when i used to teach i remember um you know, he was talking to his student about his essay, and I'm like, look, you can't just ignore the evidence that doesn't support
1: your theory. You have to so, address um, so, it. So Uncle Spencer's what, what's happened to the data? Nobody seems to be interested in facts.
3: Well, what I see happening, I, I do, I, by the way, John had some really good articles posted on Facebook that I, <laughs> I find fascinating, if not shocking, but fascinating in that, There's an entire class of individuals in America and elsewhere who, you know, make these uh, symbols or, you know, these sort of secret things. They think are secret, but when they're pointed out, as John rightly pointed out, it's shocking how blatant they are in their racism or hatred or otherwise. What I find interesting about this is that my prediction would be something like a parlor. Will become a double-edged sword for anybody who participates. So, for example, let's say you're as dumb as Ted Cruz, and you're participating on this. When it becomes clear to the mainstream public that parlor equals hatred, Nazism, whatever it is, with you want to put the right-wing, you know, conservative label, those that have participated on it will not be able to undo their participation, and so they will kind of be caught like those animals in the carpets, a La Brea, fossilized for all time as, you know, like a McCarthy or something like that. So that's where I see all of this being ridiculous. If you're really trying to grab more members or convince more people to participate in something to shift the the tide of public opinion, you can't do it by having a little secret clubhouse where your Nazis or KKK members all hang out because that's not going to bring, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Normal over to you. You're just going to be known as the the guy with the hood or something like that, or the (laughs) swastika. And I think this is what's wrong with these things. There's been a real weird evolution in the last couple of years that right-wing conservatism in America has been intermingled with ultra-right-wing hatred groups. And yet there doesn't seem to be any resistance, except, you know, again, without dipping into politics, uh, things like the New Republicans or whatever that group is that's now countering Trump and this right wing. They're kind of trying to take things back, but boy, they have a, a tough road ahead of them as far as how do you sort out this mess of disaster that I'm good Republican versus bad Republican and I'm a nice normal person Republican versus this hate group, you know, disguised as something else.
4: Yeah, well, the more, the more history you, you read, the more you understand that for centuries, you know, both, both conservatives and liberals and Democrats and Republicans have had this strategy of let's just set the black people against the white people to manipulate the vote.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of all moved around, is not it? If you look at history, Chris, you know, Republicans were, were the more radical, and then they become the conservative Democrats in the South, were very, concert, you know, these these parties, they kind of move in one direction or the other, really. That, that,
5: Absolutely. Mean, and the Republicans right now are in a, some kind of cocoon, and we don't know what's going to emerge, but this party is in chaos right now with this, Combination, overlap of the events that's,
1: that's, that's a strong
5: statement from you, Chris. The extreme right wing, Um, we got Trump, we got Kanye, we have the more conservative Republicans. There's just a lot of chaos inside that bottle that something's something new is going to be b- born out of that. I'm not sure I think, what it's going to be. I
1: just want to interrupt. Yeah. I think what, what a key moment, and I think it's not one of the reasons why Trump was so successful was when he was do when he was having those debates with those other Republican candidates, um, he showed, he he was a kind of mirror to the total bankruptcy of conservative thought. You know, you had these individuals and the, you know, he is, he is a contradiction, he is an idiot, but he has the ability to show the the opponent's weaknesses in a very sharp way. And a lot of it's just, subliminal. He just, mirrored, he just mirrored back their, their total bankruptcy, as far as I was concerned.
5: It's very subliminal. The uh, elections, and there's been social science research on this, and like how what how the people look at the debate, their voice, their body language, it has an extreme influence. In the same way, it goes both ways. I mean, Trump's trouble coming down the ramp or whatever, that is actually sends a very a message that people internalize. And then seeing Biden like running around and up ramps and stuff like that, like people. Whether they're aware of... They must have
1: shot him up with some drive drag- <laughs> car wreck and get him to shoot out of like the... Well, I don't, I, yeah,
4: but like, um, hello, folks. You yeah. he
1: must have had a bloody full bloody. Franklin, wasn't Franklin
4: he? Roosevelt wheelchair. I, I mean, yeah. you know, it, 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 it. I follow a lot of disability activists uh, uh, yeah. on Twitter, and, and there's just there's so much outrage. Like, I mean, all the people with mental health problems are like, please stop saying Trump is insane. It's an insult to those of
0: us who are <laughs> mentally ill.
4: Um, yeah. Yeah, it's,
5: I mean, it's not, it's not just like athleticism. There's all this stuff that, um, just the body language and the charisma, like it or not, uh, it has a huge impact on how people vote. But this, this whole parlor thing is, um, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is the silent majority is not so silent anymore, especially those on the furthest edges of it. And Trump is like, he stirs it up.
1: He stirs it up. On oh, to the next story. Uh, word word proof wins one million grant to advance blockchain, tam tem, time stamping concept or or time moving. Con- oh, God God knows. Anybody? well, Stephen. What did you, did you have time to ever look over this one?
6: Yeah, I uh, I hadn't heard about the company before. So when I saw that article, I read through it and then like went to the website and kind of poked around. Um, I think the idea of documenting what somebody says and that these are the actual words that they said um, and here's how it's changed over time or the edits um, is a pretty important thing these days because I, the number of things that I have seen shared and then when I actually look to see like, like why did this person say this thing? It's like, well, no, like that's not what they actually said. Like it's like some paraphrase or they, down. It was
1: taken totally out of context. Out of context it? or a paraphrased
6: down version or maybe they never said it at all and somebody was just making some meme that they thought was funny. Um, and it just feels like in our society there's going to be more and more of a need to legitimize the actual words that somebody said in a way to prove that this person said this at this specific time. Um, and I think it's cool. It's a cool idea. Um, it's a cool idea for blockchain to be able to track all of that stuff and to be able to document it, um, so I think it's cool that they won the reward and that they're able to keep pushing it forward. Um, I'll have to dive more into it too. I kind of want to download what they have and kind of see how it works.
1: Yeah, it's been a, to be serious. There's been a number of companies and uh, initiatives looking at, um, you know, the, you know, blockchain as a way of securing digital products and that. What do you reckon, Spencer?
3: Um, well, I see a couple of things. First of all, I understand that the concept itself would be solid, and Stephen explained that very well. Um, the fact that it got no comments <laughs> is indicative of the level of who gives a shit. I mean, <laughs> it's it's important, but it's important like somebody talking about optimizing Nginx or doing whatever. The concept is solid. Definitely in the future, it could have a use, but it's, it just, like to me, this story landed with a thud in terms of, okay, great. Next. Um, Not to take away by the way from Stephen did explain that very well. And it makes sense from the mechanical standpoint to need the authenticity stamp, much like in the legal area, we had a long time till it happened, but then finally they made it legal for you to just type your name instead of having to have a signature so that you could sign documents, like just that simple thing alone. Liberated a billion people to just get their stuff done via the, the website. I could see the use for it, but it's I, I'm not really, I'm not sure why this story hit hit her Friday.
4: Well, it, it hit your it hit your feed um, uh, because uh, first of all, you know, it's a WordPress company that. Got a million dollar grant, which is non-trivial. Um, uh, it, it also caught my eye because million euros, th- by the
3: way. So it's
1: like- uh,
4: yes, a million euros. So that's more than that's more than a million dollars. Um, and uh, and in fact, it keeps getting more. I, I'm signed up for the you know WP vulnerability uh, da- database, at, and it's five euros a month. And you know, it was like last month that was five forty nine in in US dollars, and this month it's five sixty five. But uh, you know, I follow a lot of PR people and. Uh, blockchain relating to news has been uh, an ongoing topic of discussion. That that uh, using that to identify the original source of of something uh, a, as a way of establishing credibility. And you know, when you get all these things, as my husband showed me something where you know somebody was sharing this picture as, as uh, you know, it's like, look, these are Irish slaves going, you know, being blah, 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 blah in, in okay, 1621. Um, yeah, I'm like, honey, you know they didn't have cameras in 1621? Um, but also, you know, Stefan recognized the picture because it's actually Belgian miners from the 19th century going down into the mine shaft to work. Now, it, was, it looked gruesome. Uh, like I wouldn't have wanted to work in 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 any of those mines, but that to to like you know be able to quickly check on those things. Now most people won't choose to check, and that's the real problem. Uh, but that for anybody who still actually has what passes for journalistic integrity, uh, to have an easier time identifying the the original source of something, and that also it could be something I'm, I'm sure where you can, you know, create an algorithm that checks the original source of stuff when it gets shared. Um, and can, uh, can I identify it in, in a way where it, it just is like, here, this is where this actually came from.
6: I think Spencer had a really good point too, that like, at the end of the day, unless you're like a complete nerd, blockchain is mind numbing and boring and who cares how it works. Um, but I think the huge and cool thing about it is, if you can integrate it into WordPress, all of a sudden, a bulk of the sites are that like install this plugin and can start tracking stuff. Um, and it's an easy thing, and nobody's actually thinking about it. And this company's able to build something that just does it. So then, when the need arises, there's a way to validate or validate that. Um, I think that's that's what's really cool about it because. If they can take something that's mind-numbing and no one actually wants to deal with and make it a way that just automatically can track all of this stuff so that you don't have to worry about it. And then the day that arises where you have to fact check something or you have to say, no, I wrote that first or that's my image and it actually is from here, um, that those mechanisms are already in place. Because if you get to the point where you have to validate something, it's too late oftentimes to go back and try to piece all the puzzles together.
1: Right, Tio, I think I'm going to drop the last story. Let's go on to our panel recommendation. And I've got a recommendation. It's a YouTube channel by a guy called Alex Berman. And he talks, um, he must be the most baby face veteran of um, outreach marketing. I know this guy looks like a 12-year-old. I hope, I hope he's... I know he's older than he looks. And he does a series of the, um, YouTubes about um, sales and um, how you do outreach sales. And I've learned quite a bit um, on his YouTube channel. So if you want to be a bit more proactive about getting leads and sales, I suggest that you, it's not a bad resource, Alex Berman's YouTube channel so, John, have you got anything you want to recommend to our beloved listeners and viewers, John? You
2: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this in chat, but this yes, is an article that put it all in that, chat. This is an article that just came out from the Google Webmaster blog. Now, a lot of people they uh, when it comes to SEO, they'll often look at. Um, their competitors doing so-called spammy things and they'll, you know, try and report their competitors to Google. But this article outlines uh, that they basically just use those reports that you send in when you're trying to narc out your competitors for doing something against Google's rules. They use that to train up their machine learning to detect spam. They very rarely <laughs> um, actually do manual actions. You actually have to draw the ire of somebody at Google directly uh, to do that because they just don't have time for all this. So check out this article. Um, so yeah, just check it out.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chris, have you got anything you want to recommend to listen to some views?
5: I do. I just want to recommend the gravity view plugin, um, which is basically allows you to display your gravity form submissions, the data and visually on the front end of the website. We just did a webinar with, um, Zach Katz, the founder of that, and he, uh, he actually added some Lifter features so people could customize the dashboard, which is important in the LMS. Oh, that's
1: great. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah.
5: Well, that's a great tool. If you're using Gravity Forms um, and you have not heard of Gravity View, go check it out.
1: It's awesome. Is that, um, is that on your um, website or on your Facebook, the actual webinar?
5: Yeah, I'll send you a link. If you haven't interviewed him yet, you should. He's sharp. Uh, we,
1: we interviewed him about a month ago before oh. we actually, Chris. Well, you might, you, all right, but if you got the feeling, I would love to see what he's done with Lifter. Absolutely. Um, Spencer, Spencer, have you got any feel for the listeners of yours? Indeed.
3: Uh, there's a site called repixel.co, which is an interesting alternative to the billion little banner ads and everything. If you're a website owner and you've got traffic, you can essentially get paid by other advertisers to allow your pixel data information to be shared via Facebook so that they can retarget your site visitors, which actually seems like a genius idea. I mean, especially if you don't so really It seems like
4: a it. hell of a complication with GDPR. No, it's really
3: simple. It's just a simple marketplace. So in other words, if I have a website, I got traffic. Somebody who wants to get to that audience has to have a unique audience in Facebook to go after. You can't normally, you're not allowed to like go against somebody else's traffic. But by way of this system, they take a 20% cut and they somehow have gotten approved for an app that lets the site owner share that audience that they already have with somebody else so that they can repixel and advertise against it.
4: Yeah, no, no. My issue is with the, like, the audience. Where where, and how do they give their permission for that? It's
3: not that, but what the difference would be versus being uh, advertised with banners. I mean, for example, there is a marketplace where if you're a site owner, you give a third party ad agency permission to put ad banners on and they sell it to other people. But that's annoying as all hell. In this way, what happens is you you do get obviously some ads, but it's not the invasive banner ads. It's uh, Facebook. How did, how did I... And Instagram too.
1: Yeah, how did they get Facebook to... Um,
3: uh, that's that's an interesting... There's in the FAQ a question where they said,
1: <laughs> they said is this... I'm, really going through the, I'm going through that process with, um I needed more increased API access. It's, it's, it's from my other company it's, because we use Facebook and it's a hell of a... They've really got stroppy about who you are, what you're doing, a thousand it, questions. It makes
3: sense like, it makes sense like this. If you there's in the FAQ, it says, is this ad approved by Facebook? And it says, yes, three pixels been through the app review process, blah, blah, blah. There's a screenshot. Essentially, all that's happening is they've created their own custom audience for the original site owner. And they're somehow via the app able to let Mm. another company use it. I mean, I suppose if it was your own company and you had three different branches, it's the same concept.
1: So, oh, good luck to them. I, 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 I'm sure, you know, but I, I just wonder if when they really get on Facebook, Facebook's radar, what, but who knows? I'm just, it as I mean, interesting.
3: Marketing WP Tonic with great success.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your check's in the mail, John. They're going to give you money. I'll do it straight away. Uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen, got anything you want to recommend?
6: Um, Yeah, uh, kernel.s. I kind of forget if I've recommended this before or not, but if you're looking for ways to automate uh, updating plugins that you've developed or even load testing some of those plugins, um, they have some really cool features um, for continuous deployment where you just push it up to Bitbucket or GitHub and it automatically builds and deploys um, to any site that has your plugin um, so that they can click that one uh, button update and your plugin will be updated.
1: Right. Thank you so much. So Chris, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what your company's up to, Chris?
5: You can find our podcast, just do a Google search for LMS Cast, yep. and uh, you can find me at lifterlms.com.
1: Yeah, put the link into that webinar into chat, Chris, and I can have a... Okay. Uh, um, Sally, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? If you want to see what I've been up to lately, it's probably
4: best to follow me on Instagram. I am at Sally Getch on Instagram and Twitter, and you can go to Insta and watch my garden growing. Oh,
1: that's something. the cats seem happy And the cats, well. yes. John, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you are up to?
2: Uh, two ways. Go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search Lockdown SEO or John Lock SEO on YouTube. You'll find it. And uh, also at my website, which is LockdownSEO.com.
1: And Spencer, what's the best way people can find out more about you and what you are up to? Uh, lunchflows.com. All right, that's short and sweet. Stephen, what's the best way for people to find out what you are up to? Uh, uh, head
6: over to zipfish.io. You can see how we make WordPress
1: faster. Like a, like a speed machine. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't resist it. Um, thank you, panel. I think it's been a great show. Thanks, listeners and viewers, and we'll see you next week in a flash. The, the every this, uh, Not next week.
3: We'll see you blink your eye and wake up and it'll be Friday again. Because that's,
1: that's, that's uh, yes, well, I only wash and because I don't leave the know uh, <laughs> I don't leave my home office now. You know,
3: the only thing I think we should do, just for fun for those who watch Groundhog, is I think we should start the show with Sonny and shares, you know, I got you, babe. So we really make you, closer to
1: bill murray and groundhog day that was this good because how chris wants to get off and make some yeah but money. but there's going to be a copyright issue
0: with that all right we'll see you next week folks Bye. thanks for listening to the wp tonic podcast the podcast that gives you a dose of wordpress medicine twice a week